With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For one more beer for me, exile means quality, so savagely. Podcast, John Miller, along with Rob Howe. It is the Wednesday Honda Sessions. Tonight, it's a Honda Odyssey. It's been a Honda Accord all the time, so if you hear this awesome spaciousness, that's because I'm sitting in the amazing American invention known as a minivan talking to Rob Howe. And if you hear any sounds of trucks and automobiles going by, you'll know the reason why. Rob, how are you? Doing well, John. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Iowa back on the uh, winning side of things with a 17-10 win against Minnesota. Their third game this year they played where the score has been 17-10. They've lost the other two at Michigan State and then in overtime at Northwestern the previous week. Beat Minnesota by a 17-10 score last year. Sort of seems like about a 17-10 kind of season, does it not? Three games that decided 17-10. At least uh, at least Iowa was on the right side of that one. They are. One thing in looking through all of Iowa's games this year, even though their statistics, national rankings, uh, as far as their statistics, don't scream elite defense, when you consider that outside, outside of the Iowa State game, no team has scored more than two touchdowns in any one game on this defense, uh, and the most offensive points the defense has given up this year in Big Ten play is 19 against Penn State. There was a safety in that one. Probably have to say 20 because Penn State never got to attempt the field goal after their game-winning touchdown. That's not a bad effort. They're doing their job, and the offense did just enough to win against Minnesota, and it's just kind of the nature of this year. Yeah, and the question for Saturday for me is, you know, Penn State really dominated that game in terms of yardage and things like that. Can Iowa State stop or can, can, I, can they stop Ohio State in the red zone as they've done all season? Ohio State's been really good at, at punching it in. Obviously, um, we don't really need to go through the details of how good they are on offense. Um, it's a challenge, man. And at this point of the season, um, you know, it almost would have been better playing Ohio State earlier in the year, and I know that's reverse of what we usually talk about, but they just seem to be to keep getting better. They do, and I'm with you. We'll, we'll get to that game here uh, in a little bit before we turn this conversation uh, to a darker topic, um, the Ohio State game, in my opinion. <laughs> um, Nate Stanley, I, I really, really liked what he did in the game against Minnesota. I've been high on him all year. I know you have as well. I mean, most people in the media have. I, I, that was one of his better games. When you consider there was, what, five drops, he probably would have had at least another 120 receiving yards if you only would have given him like a 45 or 50-yard completion to Amir Smith-Marset, a ball that hit him in the face mask and stride. 
escaped a little bit with his feet. Uh, I, I think he'll get more comfortable running the ball. He's not. It's not like he's going to be a runner in his Iowa career. But uh, Rob, I, I said this to Steve Dace the other night. I, I think he's the best. Or I said it to Ken Miller actually on on Monday or Tuesday this week in Des Moines. I think he's the best pro prospect they've had at quarterback certainly as a sophomore but when you look at his measurables and his arm and everything I think he could potentially have the highest ceiling at the next level yeah I guess I hadn't thought about it because it was uh you know because it's so early in his career but he certainly has the the skill set to to do that um he's he is a pro style quarterback um uh, just to play devil's advocate and I don't know this to be the case I haven't really the receivers won't blame it on him I'm wondering if some of those drops that they're having <clears throat> are related to his touch on the ball, where that's the next step for him, he's got to learn to, you know, when to ease off the gas a little bit. And maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm barking up the wrong tree. Maybe that's not happening. And maybe it's all on the receivers. Um, but that's one thing to me. They are, that's one of the uh, aspects of this offense, in addition to penalties and turnovers, that is bogged down drives that is that that's killed drives drop passes um and and i know people want to pin that always pin that on the receivers i think you have to put the quarterback in that mix a little bit as well i mean on the out the you know the the 15 yard far hash out that he threw to vandenberg in stride uh you you can't you can't take anything off that ball or it's a pick six on the 50 yard pass to amir smith marset he threw that with touch height into a bucket you got to catch that the the one there was one that hawkinson dropped to i'm not saying you're wrong i think that there have been some on the shorter maybe flares and things like that but um so yeah let, let's let's not get into an argument on a minutia topic like that I, th- I think we both are pretty bullish on the upside of his career and I, I think this is just a great learning season for him and and next year when iowa returns so many pieces on offense he's probably only going to look and perform uh, better Iowa's running game what 3.8 yards a carry I guess if you want to say that's an improvement on the season it's better than their average I was a little concerned and disappointed maybe not concerned anymore maybe just disappointment that they were unable to really get the ground game going against Minnesota and what they got probably was set up by the past but this will be the third time I've said it already in this podcast that's just probably the way things are going to be this year yeah, and I think this week they're going to have to come up with something um, different, a different look. Uh, not necessarily the three tight end look that they they used in 2013, but it's time for this offense to grow some more, um, to do more things. But the problem is they're not doing the little things, the basic things, um, and it makes it that much more difficult. Um, I think Ohio State's allowing like. 2.9 yards a carry they're among the i mean their defensive line is sick um so i to me if you're gonna do what you did at michigan state or do what you did at northwestern where you're just running wildly into a pack of people in the middle that's not gonna work you got to do something different um you got to open things up with the pass i think i don't think you can just come out and run on the first two downs and expect to win you can't get yourself in those third and long situations against ohio state state or you'll have You'll have Bosa killing Nate Stanley, and you don't want that to happen. Yeah, they're second in the league in yards per carry at 2.89 behind Michigan State's 2.83. We saw Iowa's challenges against Michigan State. And, you know, really, let's just start talking about the Ohio State game because there's some other topics I want to get to as well. Um, If Iowa comes out 
and I'm not saying they're going to do this. Urban Meyer brought it up this week at his press conference, and you just mentioned it. When Iowa came out in 20, was it 13 or 2014, whatever that was, over in Ohio State, and they ran the three tight end package and really caught Ohio State off guard and had them back on their heels until late in that game, until Braxton Miller just made a. I think it was Braxton Miller who made a phenomenal escape play on on third down or something like that. Um, this team can't do that. That that team had an offensive line that was competent. Uh, this year's Iowa team does not have an offensive line, in my opinion, that's Big Ten competent. It the the run blocking would be lower half of the Big Ten for sure. The running attack is probably bottom two or three in the Big Ten when you look at yards per carry. Would be my guess. I can probably you know pull that up right now and see rushing yards per attempt. Iowa's actually 12th out of 14, ahead of Northwestern and Indiana. I, I don't know what Iowa will do. But I think if they try to line up and play power football, they're going to get destroyed by that Ohio State defensive line, which is the best in the conference and, and debatably one of the two or three best in the nation. Yeah, I would agree. The one the one thing that's kind of been running through my mind, and we talked with Akram widely about it on Tuesday, um, with Butler back now, I think there were things in the playbook with he and Wadley on the field at the same time with Wadley in the slot that they just didn't get to because of when, because Butler got hurt so early in the season. To me, that's where there might be something. And we, we, we brought it up with Akram yesterday and he kind of smiled and said uh, his no comment. I got in trouble last year for saying stuff. So he's not going to say anything, but I think there's something in there where they're going to use him in the slot and get him in space. And I think that's what you have to do. You can't, like we talked about, the Michigan State and Northwestern games, you, he's not a guy you're just going to pound between the tackles. you got to get him in space. And I think with Butler back there, with those guys in the backfield together, Butler's ability to pick up blitz and block and do things like that, I think there's a chance to get Akron Wadley more involved in the passing game. I, at least I hope so. I think that's something that hasn't been tapped into enough this year. That would be an interesting zag because I think Ohio State is very likely to play a lot of press man coverage in this game, uh, especially against Iowa's playmakers that are probably, you know, let, let's just say they're not as dynamic as Ohio State's defensive specialists, meaning cornerbacks, safeties, and that. I, th- I think Ohio State can will bring pressure much in the same way that Penn State and Michigan State did and the way that a lot of teams have against Iowa. And if you do have Wadley in the slot and getting man-on-man coverage, then the onus will be on Nate Stanley to pick that up and hit him, hit him in stride so that he can make some plays. I, I would really, I mean, my gosh, stop me if you've heard this before, I would really like to see Iowa try and run the ball because you can't give up totally on the run, but run the ball with five offensive linemen, a single back set, and three receivers in a tight end or four receivers and no tight end, whatever. And now we're going to risk ourselves getting in math here again. But <laughs> just from a standpoint, empty the damn box out. And if that means you put Butler at running back and you have Wadley as one of your four receiving options, then do it. But empty the darn box and give yourself a chance because if they don't, I don't think they'll score more than 10 points in this game offensively, and I think they're going to have to score at least 24, if not 27, to win this game. And I just don't see how that's going to come based upon what we've seen thus far. No, I mean, they need some wrinkles. They need anything that's been in the playbook that they haven't gotten to. Is Now's the time to take it out these next two weeks. There's no – I mean – 
you you know you may the you know Brian and Kirk and the people on the offensive side of the ball well these guys aren't ready to do that yet the heck with that just do it give it a shot at this point you you're you know against a team like Ohio State you have to take some chances I thought they did that in 2013 and they almost got them there do that again give them different looks if you just go and you know go out and and show them everything that they've already seen on tape it's gonna be hard to win it, it just is because you're, you're not we're not I mean anybody with the same mind knows that Ohio State has better football players they just do overall on the team I'm not that's not to denigrate Josie Jewell or anybody else, overall as a team, they're more talented. So to beat them, you have to be a better team that day. And to do that, you have to do some different things sometimes than what you're used to doing or what you normally do. And hopefully that's what the case is on Saturday. Hopefully it's not, let's just be as conservative as, uh, as we conservative as we can, like we did at Michigan State and Northwestern, and maybe we'll pull this out in the fourth quarter or overtime. I don't think you can do that. I think if you do that, you're playing in Ohio State's fan, Ohio State's hands, and they're going to go and run away from you. There's there's no doubt about it. I mean, I, I read your prediction on the website today. Uh, you like Ohio State. You. I, you're probably more kind than I am. I don't think Iowa is going to cover the line, and I think the line's up to what seventeen and a half or close to eighteen now. It opened at fifteen and a half. I went back and looked at our HN staff predictions a year ago when Iowa played against Michigan, and Iowa was actually a twenty-one point underdog in that situation. One of the biggest uh, numbers they'd been an underdog in the Ference era since Kirk got things turned around in two thousand and one. Might be the biggest, and. Each and every one of us picked Michigan to cover the 21-point spread. Now, as a reminder to some of you, that was on the heels of Iowa being absolutely obliterated at Penn State, and they come back the next week and beat then number three Michigan 14-13. to 13. And so I know some people this week, and I, I said it on Sunday, I knew it was coming, and I've seen it, people saying, well, nobody gave Iowa a chance last week. This Ohio State offense is much more dynamic and full of more playmakers than last year's Michigan offense was. I don't even think it's a comparison. So, sure, has it happened before? Yes. And if you want to draw a coincidence, you can, but I don't believe past will be prologue in this particular instance. No, I would agree with you. I think if you're going to make the comparison, I think the better comparison would be Penn State because they run an offense that's right. more similar to what Ohio State does. But having said that, I think Barrett's better than McSorley. It's, it's close. It's not a huge difference. But the way Barrett's playing right now, he's at a higher level. Um, Barkley's obviously the better running back, but when you look at Weber and uh, Dobbins. Dobbins, that's just that combination there. That's more depth. And then receivers, Ohio State's better at receiver than, than Penn State is this year. Penn State lost a lot in that area. Um, and I just think that this is the toughest offensive challenge they've faced probably since, I don't know, you're better at this than I am. Probably you got to go back to, what, 14 maybe? 13 when they played Ohio State? I'm trying to think. Wisconsin's offense was pretty good right. in 13. Stanford, but maybe you yeah. can you can debate it though. But yeah, you're you're talking one of one of the best three or four in the last five to ten years. I, I don't think we would debate that. And, and and let me remind some of you of this because you know, we all got caught up in the euphoria following the Penn State game because it was such a hard fought game. 
Iowa's players were right there, and they lost literally by inches. You know, if Amani Hooker could have got up another inch or two, and he said if he would have gone up with just one hand and not two, he would have batted that ball down. But let me let me remind you of these statistics in that game. First downs, Penn State had 29, Iowa had 11. Iowa was 3 of 11 on third downs. Penn State had 579 total yards to 273 for Iowa. Penn State had 295 rushing yards to 82 for Iowa. Um, Time of possession. Penn State had the ball for basically 40 minutes. Iowa had it for 20 minutes. Iowa should have lost that game 45 to 17 somewhere along that lines when you look at stat lines like that except Iowa's defense was able to get it done in the red zone Penn State I think had five trips to the red zone and came away with just um, you know two touchdowns and a couple of field goals you don't want to live and make a habit out of those type of statistics Rob and I fear that Penn State statistics versus Iowa's statistics or Ohio State statistics versus Iowa statistics are going to look very similar on Saturday to what we saw in week four against Penn State. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was I touched on earlier, just in terms of can Iowa do that what they did to Penn State, which is, you know, bottle them up in the red zone. Um, and they've been they've done a good job of that all year. But it, you're, it's it's a lot to ask for that same result as what you got at Penn State, giving up that much yardage. The odds of that happening and playing that way, um, and having that outcome, are just the odds are just longer. It's just so hard to do that. Um, it, that was an anomaly at that Penn State game, and or maybe it isn't. Maybe they did come out Saturday and do the same darn thing, and, and it's close in the fourth quarter, and they break up that pass at the end. But I just I have I have a hard time envisioning that happening. Yeah, I do too. I'm trying to pull up the um, Iowa-Michigan stats from a year ago, and I'm sure that those stats were a lot closer because, I mean, the defense really came and and did some yeoman's work on that day, and uh, Michigan with just one touchdown in that game and and two field goals. Um, Yeah, Iowa had 17 to 14 first downs, total yards. Iowa had 230 to just 201 for Michigan in that game and Iowa had a 32-45 to 27-15 time of possession so that one um, less of a statistical fluke certainly so we'll see I I don't think Iowa's going to cover I think it's going to be a long day but I really hope that I'm wrong about that and it's one thing that's interesting that I put in my preview and this is just um, you know do what you will with trends but I don't think Iowa has lost by 17 or more points since it was 2013 when they lost 28 to nine to Wisconsin at home. Those are home games. I'm saying they haven't lost by 17 or more at home since 2013 when they lost 28 to nine to Wisconsin at home. So that's when I was picking the game. I was like, ah, which way to go here? I think Ohio State's going to win. I would be really surprised if Ohio State didn't win. Um, but that number of 16 and a half, I think we're using to pick our game because I took it on Monday um, from uh, Vegas Insider. Um, that that number's tough to read. And um, Iowa won last week, what, 17 to 10. And I think the number we played with was Minnesota plus eight. So. Mm-hmm. They they know what they're doing in Vegas. They don't they don't as my dad would say, they don't build those build those fancy hotels on, on people winning money. Right. Iowa lost by more than that at home against Penn State in two thousand and two. But going back through the years beyond that, I mean I'm already rolling down to two thousand and seven um, they lost 38-20 in 2007 to Indiana, so we're talking three times in the last 
10 seasons where they've um, suffered a defeat worse than 17 points at home. The black and gold unites us all, but then what? Kevin the Flag Guy from Heartland Flags here. If you're listening to this podcast, you bleed black and gold. But what comes after the Hawks? For me, it's the Cincinnati Reds and Cincinnati Bengals. Nope, can't explain it. What about you? Packers and Wizards? Pelicans and Sharks? NASCAR and the Jags? Bulls, Bucks, and Chargers? Whatever flag you want, we've got it. Jump online to heartlandflags.com and shop our huge inventory of sports teams' flags. You won't find a better selection or better prices anywhere. Guaranteed. And to top it off, free shipping on all purchases at heartlandflags.com. Oh, and that Iowa flag you've been flying since the Hawks last went to the Orange Bowl? Time to step up and freshen up with a new design. Check out our Hawkeye selection when you're shopping for your other favorite team flags at heartlandflags.com, where you'll never pay for shipping. I wasn't in the press box on Saturday night when Brian Ferentz had, let's just say, an outburst uh, directed at the replay official booth. I know that you do a lot of photography work for us, and, and mostly you're down on the field, but sometimes you know, you make your way up to the press box to uh, get yourself some food uh, at halftime. Were you there when, when Brian um, had his incident? I was there, actually. I came up a little bit earlier um, to just start work on photos a little bit more and not to bore people, but there's traffic in the elevator. The coaches are coming down like five minutes before the end of the first half. If you're not up in the press box, it's tough to get up there. So I did leave a little earlier. So fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you're looking at it, I was there to to hear the uh, outburst, as you called it. Okay, I mean, I don't want to get into specificities with regards to the words because I've, you know, been told what the words were and we're not going to repeat them here. It was, you know, pretty rough. And I, I think the beating of the beating on the press door, the, the door was probably just as bad. What was just your general impression? And, and then we can move on from this. I was surprised. I mean, I think that was the the, the um, reaction to most people up there. You've been in the press box enough time, and I've tried to explain this to people this week, and I'm blue in the face, and I tweeted today that I'm not going to change people's minds who, who want to blame this on the media. And if that's you, fine. I think you're out of your I think you're I think you're off base. I think you don't know what you're talking about, but whatever you want to do, um, the kind of the landscape of our country right now is to talk about fake news and media being evil. So if that's if you're, if you're in that group, that's fine. You don't have to listen to what I'm going to say. Um, but there's a decorum up there, and we're told before the game, you know, you be quiet, you don't clap, um, you don't make noise, there's no outbursts. That's kind of the, the environment up there, if you will. And it's not just the media. We have a small portion of that press box. Just on the fourth fourth floor alone, we only have a small portion of that. There's much more area where there are fans and luxury boxes, Iowa officials, radio and TV crews. You could count them in media, but I'm talking like Fox and ESPN, um, workers uh, that serve food up there. Uh, ladies from whatever the food department is that caters that thing, uh, older folks that are serving as ushers. It's not just us up there we're wearing fedoras with a press pass thing stuck in our hat, sitting there typing away on a computer. It's not that picture. So I want to explain that to people who care to, to learn about this. And then when he came back up from the locker room, there was security standing outside of the replay booth. So obviously the media and didn't call the security over to, to, to put those put the security at the gate or at the uh, at the door of the replay booth. So the people that work there, the Iowa officials, sports information, uh, Gary Barter's up there. They thought thought enough of it 
to do that. Big Ten officials are up there. Um, it was an unfortunate situation. I don't want to kill the guy. It was emotion. I appreciate Brian's emotion. I think he cares. I think that's where it was coming from. He lost his cool, and that was it. And the only three times – I'm only going to speak for Hawkeye Nation. The three times that we wrote about this, this thing happening, one in my column Saturday night, and that was after Kirk addressed it before being asked about it. He addressed it in his opening statement. I used it in maybe the fourth or fifth graph of, graph of my column and mentioned it once, and that was it. Tuesday, yesterday, we wrote about it. I put it in a small – I put it. In, I didn't even leave the notebook with it. I put it in a note that – Kirk addressed it again on Tuesday at the press conference before being asked about it by the media. Today, I will release comments from Brian Ferentz and Gary Barta saying they've looked into it. Brian apologized. Gary said he looked into it. The matter is over with. Then we wrote about it again. Those are all three times. So if you're out there blaming the media, that's that's where we're coming from. It, it wasn't stuff. I didn't. Nobody even asked about it. They addressed it. They felt the the need to address it, and that's my view on it. That's the situation. Let's move on. Believe me, I would rather not have to report it on it. Right. I, it was unfortunate in my mind. Yeah, I think everybody likes Brian. Uh, by and large, I think Brian's been pretty fair to most people. Um, can he get ticked at you like the way a lot of coaches can? Sure, but that does that makes him a coach. Uh, it makes him a competitor, and I didn't like hearing about that because you know if if i think brian has designs and hopes that to one day be the head coach and you just you can't have things like that um be common on your resume you can live with it as a one-off thing but it needs to be a one-off thing and i'm sure that it will be i'm sure that kirk and gary and folks reminded him it's like you, you just can't you can't do that so kirk and and Kirk was I, – I, I've been around Kirk now for going on 20 years, so I have a, an idea of when he's when, – when something uh, affects him. Um, and this affected him. He, he was – this wasn't just lip service. He was upset. He didn't like – he's built his program. No doubt. And a certain way of doing things, and this is not it. So it bothered him that his son did that. And I, I don't think, you know, people are joking, oh, he got sent to his room, this and that. I, I think Kirk would probably gave him a piece of his mind as a dad and as a, as a head coach. And I'm sure Gary did as well. So, again, I, I've got people tweeting, still tweeting at me. Just seemed like out of proportion. The media was expecting big trouble. This should never have been a news story. He got mad and cussed. Good thing we don't record thing in the locker room. Time and place, people. I explained this earlier just a few seconds ago on the podcast. If you don't want to understand, if you don't want to uh, um, get, you know, be educated about what happened and where it happened, then don't. I don't care anymore. Sorry, John. Yeah, no, that, that's okay. Let, yeah. let me put it in extra layman's terms. And if some of you find this grotesque or below or the board, that's okay. If you go to the bathroom and you pass gas in your own bathroom, it's not a story. Nobody notices. But if you do it in the middle of the library, everybody's going to look over, and it's noticeable. So I think you've all probably heard a buddy in grade school or high school or who knows, maybe even some of you in college. Do something like that. You're in a library and somebody does something like that. It is more noticeable than it would be anywhere else because you're in a setting that where that is anathema. 
And that's what a press box is. It's like a library. So sorry for that analogy, but. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting analogy. Well, everybody farts, right? I mean, come on. Let's let's be honest. It's a a human function. And most of us have been to the library and most of us have had that buddy. None of you, of course, have done this. Your buddy did. You know, this rip one when you're a little kid. So there you go. Let's. Basketball last week, uh, Iowa plays another, their second exhibition game on this coming Thursday. We record this on Wednesday, so you're probably going to be listening to this Thursday. So that means it would be tonight when you're listening to it, unless you listen to it Friday, which means it was yesterday. Um, I think I covered all the bases there. You got Uh, it. Loved how they looked. Looked rusty in the first half. That's all right. I I just, you know I've been high on Jack Nungy because we got a pronunciation. Jack Nungy, since uh, Iowa signed him, and I saw his fir- the first time I saw his highlight video, I fell in love. And just love his game, love what I see from Luka. You, know, you went and watched him a lot in the summer league, and I watched all of your clips. It was just nice to see him against somebody else. Um, really excited. But I think right now the, the bigger story, if you will, since you and I last spoke, I can't remember if Christian Williams had – the transfer, and I know it was at the day of the game last week, so it was Friday. Christian Williams is transferred from the program, surprising everyone uh, to be closer to home. He was definitely the the likely guy to get the seven to eight backup point guard minutes this year, maybe some other minutes as well. Uh, Connor McCaffrey was planning to redshirt in basketball this year and play baseball, but Iowa announcing this week that he will now play basketball this year. A decision on whether or not he redshirts in baseball will be made at a later date, but it seems likely considering basketball season will probably be over in March sometime, and baseball season, as you tweeted, begins playing games in February. So I'm going to ask you again, Rob. And you've seen Connor far more than I have. So, And I've been wrong about Iowa players in the past. See Jordan Bohannon. I didn't think he was a big 10-point guard. Um, I don't think Connor's feet are good enough to play defense at this level at this age. I think you can probably get around some of that, playing some zone. Offensively, you've mentioned several times that he's one of the best passers you've seen at that age. What are your thoughts on him for this season now that you know he's going to play? I would say just in general terms, I think he'll be fine in that backup point guard role, however many minutes that is, 5, 10, 7, 12, whatever that needs to be, depending on who they're playing. Um, I think he can handle it. Um, as you said, I think they can do some things maybe to cover up for um, his lack of lateral speed and his, you know, he struggled the other night. It was noticeable right away with dribble penetration and quicker guards, and that's going to be the challenge for him. Offensively, I think he's fine. Um, he's not going to knock down jump shots like Bohannon did uh, and Ken. Um, he's a different type of player. He's coach's kid, uh, um, you know, and that's meant as a compliment. He understands the game, especially his father's offense and defensive schemes. Um, he's, he moves the ball. He keeps the ball moving so, you know, the, the offense doesn't bog down. Uh, he handles it well. He's six five, so he's got some height. He can help you rebounding wise, um, and he is a streak shooter. There are times when he gets it going. Um, I've watched him since he was a freshman in high school. Um, he can shoot it, and, and if he gets in a rhythm, he can knock down some shots too. So I think he's fine in that backup role. I don't mind it at all. Um, the other night, um, they you know they used him and Jordan together because I think this season Jordan talked about it on media day um, that the coaches want to get him off the ball some and take advantage of 
his ability to to shoot the three and then create off of that if, if teams push out on him. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Connor maybe get some minutes at the same time as as, as Jordan as well, um, and and use them in unison. And then you work in you know Macy Daly, uh, Brady Ellingson. Um, and Isaiah Moss didn't play a lot the other night. He didn't need to. He dinged his ankle up. But I, I kind of like what they have in the backcourt. It's it's thin, and you got to worry about foul trouble and injury. Um, but I like I, I kind of like the makeup when you when you um, um, what's the word I'm looking for when you com- compile it or combine it rather with what they have in the front court, the depth they have there. Yeah, and there is a great deal of depth in the front court. I, I noticed uh, Connor really looking to post feed, keeping his head up, bringing the ball down the court. So I, I think that's something that he can do a good job. So I'm just fascinated by that. And um, not a not a huge number of takeaways from that exhibition game. And Iowa plays another one again Thursday of this week before they tip off for real, I think against Chicago State on November 10th. And I believe the first five games of the year – um, including these exhibition games, are all televised on the Big Ten Plus digital. And then the Cayman Island games, I was looking forward to watching those on TV, but those are also going to be uh, online only. So, boy. I think if I think if people – what's it, Flow Hoops? Yes. I think if you get that, you also can get the Big Ten Network – Plus, uh, somebody was telling me that I don't know this for to be the case. So if I'm at, if I'm off base here, I apologize. But I saw some people talking about that on our message board. That um, if you get flow flow hoops, you can also get the Big Ten Plus on that. So basically, you pay thirty bucks, I think, and you get all the games. I don't know if that's a yeah. better deal. I think I think last week, Rod, the Big Ten Network announced a partnership with Flow. Uh, sports and flow wrestling is what people are really familiar with so it's the same people that do flow wrestling that now have a digital um, partnership with the Big Ten Network so I went and spent my nine ninety five for the month for Big BTN Plus last week so I probably screwed up and I'll be dropping more coin to get those game in the Cayman Islands because I'm just I'm not going to miss those so if you want I can do the write up on those games those nights <laughs> yeah unless you guys unless we can get the, the guys to send me to the Cayman Islands I'd be okay with that right you know I, I don't oftentimes share private uh, texts but I have to share this I think you called me a freak last week for one Wanting to podcast after uh, an exhibition <laughs> game. <laughs> I, it was, I don't know. Or did I say that you and Wolfgang need help? That's maybe, it. That's it. Inter- maybe I inferred you were calling me a freak. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's basketball. No, I, I great that you guys enjoy basketball that much. Sure. For me, it, and it, you know, with football season, it's such a critical point. Right. And basketball coming into play now, I kind of feel like I'm being pulled in two different it ways. Is. So, so it's different when I'm covering stuff, but I get it, and I am excited for basketball. I I really am. So that, yeah. um, that was unfair of me. That I, I did not mean to paint you as a basketball hater. I think uh, you're probably right. We may have done the only instant reaction podcast following an <laughs> Iowa exhibition game that night, and I think that we did. But it was just fun to lift the lid on that and blow some of the rust out because I. As as you know, I've been really excited for this basketball season. I've, I've been excited for this coming three-year run for quite some time. And, and this year, I think we'll continue the rise and get back to the tournament, and things should get really fun next year. The um, AP the AP Top 25 came out today, I think. and that, It did. Um, 
Michigan State two. I know that, and I Wisconsin, I Minnesota is fifteen. Um, Purdue and Northwestern are back to back. I think at nineteen and twenty. Maryland received seven votes. Wisconsin received nine. I, I'm I'm trying to do this from memory. Um, looked at it for about thirty seconds. So those would be the Big Ten teams that were mentioned. Cincinnati, a potential opponent for Iowa in the Cayman Islands, was ranked twelfth uh, in the AP. Virginia Tech, I, Virginia Tech is Iowa's ACC opponent, right? Correct. And they were also teams receiving votes, and they, they've got a really loaded backcourt. That's going to be a tough game. So those are all the opponents that I can think of that Iowa will have this year who were either getting votes or were in the preseason top 25. That's not that's not a bad recall right there. Yeah, that's a good job out of you. <laughs> and we'll see. I mean, I think they, they need to get that Cincinnati game. I, I totally. won't say they need to get it. it no, would they help do. Them. They, they, they do with five games against teams ranked in the 300s. They absolutely, yeah. absolutely need to have that. And as we've talked about before, with the, the new Big Ten basketball schedule starting in 18-19, which is next year, where you will have 20 conference games instead of 18, then you're going to play Iowa State every year. You're going to play either Drake or UNI every other year. You're going to be in the ACC Big Ten Challenge every year. Iowa still has two to three more games left in the Gavit game series. It goes through 2020. So you, you could probably even play a couple of 300-plus teams then because you're only talking about having four or five games that won't be tied up and you're likely going to have those exempt games again or maybe you don't have the exempt tournaments now that you go into those but i'm sure that they will so but this year i i don't think that rpi is going to keep them on the wrong side of the bubble but i'm not saying it won't this year either and you got, you know, normally that Iowa State game is, is good. Even when you don't, you know, even if you don't win it, it's still a quality game. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying it won't be this year, but Iowa State isn't what they're expect. you know, what they've been in the past. So that's that, that one that's always locked in, you're not getting as much out of it as you normally do. Rutgers at an RPI of 150 is light years better than a Chicago State of 352 or I'm sorry 342 or 332 out of 351 teams all you you can game the RPI system Tim Miles was he at what Colorado State uh before he came to Nebraska he was somewhere out west and yeah, I, he was at Colorado State before Eustace went there I think yeah so he scheduled teams ranked like 150 to 200 a lot of them and beat a lot of them and that's how you can game the present rpi system by doing that it's when you play teams over 250 that it's horrible it kills you so iowa could go out and schedule games that they're more than likely going to win and i know savior omaha tweets from at me from last year <laughs> tyler cook wasn't in that game they still should have won but anyway but you don't have to go down to the dregs the way that that fran did with this year's schedule but anyway Hopefully it won't uh, it won't be too bad. Who do you have tonight in the World Series Game Seven? Uh, hopefully the Astros. I'm a Mets fan and I cannot stand the Dodgers, so hopefully the Astros. But I have a feeling the Dodgers are going to win it for some reason, just to just to annoy me. Yeah, I want the Mets's. I want the uh, Dodgers to lose as well. I, I really just want Houston to win. And by the way, this is the two year anniversary of uh, my Royals beating your Mets for the uh, World Series in 2015. Thanks for bringing that up. I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> you Mets you had your day back in, what, 86, right? 86, yep. And I thought back then, 
that it was okay. This is going to be a routine, you know, a regular annual thing. And I told Cubs fans that last year, but you know, until you go through it, you don't realize. Oh man, it's 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 so hard to do. And you know that as a Royals fan, it's so hard to do that to win that. You know, to get through injury wise, pitching, whatever. <clears throat> excuse me, to get through and win a World Series, it's not easy to come back and do it again. And. Uh, um, as a Mets fan, I've been thinking about that since 86. They've gotten back a couple times. They lost to the Royals once, lost to the Yankees once. Um, but, yeah, I'm a Knicks fan, too, and a Jets fan. So my Good life is grief. three with professional sports. So that's why I pay a lot of attention to college. Yeah, no kidding. That's brutal. All right. That'll wrap it up for this installment of the HN Podcast. Steve and I will be coming at you late Thursday, early Friday with our predictions. I will be on the line Saturday, instant reaction following the Ohio State game, and we'll dream it up all again for next week. Thank you to Heartland Flags. Uh, heartlandflags.com for the sponsorship as well as exile brewing company and thank you as always for listening to the hn podcast